Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things, friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Amen. Maybe seated. Thank you, Rose. And thank you, um, band. Don't go far, Brandon. Just stay right here. Um, We have a couple of things for you that will not adequately express how we feel about you, Ashley, and Nora. Nora, will it nor will it adequately express our gratitude for how you have shaped this place. Can you, can you come up too? Ladies and gentlemen, these have led us in worship over these last nine years, and how would you respond to them after they have led us in worship in these last uh, Just a couple of things for you guys. Um, this one in particular for you. <laughs> and some things for you, okay? And if, and if you would, if you could, at the end of the service, go back there. There are more people that want to hug you and say things to you. And um, we will start soon trying to organize your return to come <laughs> back and do a, 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 something fun here with us. But you have, from the look of the sanctuary to the look of the... Uh, Coal Center <clears throat> to our ethos in worship. You have done it, and sometimes when you've been on the platform. So your life has been a life uh, of a worship leader, and so we are, we are going to be, uh, we're going to miss you desperately. But you have also, as evidenced by your family tree that you brought up here with you to lead worship today, you've left us in a, in a good spot. So, thank you is not enough, but thank you. And come back soon, Nora. And don't grow up too fast, okay? Okay. One more hand for them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, baby. Okay. All right. Get it together. Get it together. Get it together. All right, well, if you're visiting with us today, <laughs> not exactly normal, um, we, uh, this is more normal, are we ready? Okay, uh, shocking video in, submitted to me not too long ago of road rage, and I just feel like it's something we have to talk about. Take a look. Thank you. 
Yeah, what if? What if he had been a little more patient? You know, patience does not come easily to us, not even to us um, Christian types. And, and this, is an important, uh, this is an important passage for us to talk through what, what patience does what patience is, but we're not a patient people. There is another thing, there's another thing, it's, it's, it's become a thing, it's called rap rage. Now this is W-R-A-P, and it describes that, that deep emotion, and some of you have sensed it, perhaps you've seen it in your children, when you can't get the rapping off quickly enough. And there's just, it's a real thing that, could, that people who produce things are trying to work through. We can't make this too hard to open up because then people get frustrated, they won't buy our stuff the next time. There was a bank that commissioned a study of, um, the population not too long ago in order to try to, to fashion an online or a, or, a, or a wireless sort of experience of their online banking system. And here's what they found. 96% of Americans will knowingly consume extremely hot food or drink that burns their mouth because they are impatient. 63% do so frequently. More than half of the phone, um, more than half hang up the phone after being on hold one minute or less. 71% frequently exceed the speed limit to get to their destination faster. That seems Christian to me. Americans <laughs> will binge watch. If you're going to binge watch, you will binge watch an average of seven TV episodes in one sitting. Nearly a third of respondents ages 18 to 24 wait less than one second before bypassing a slow walker. And when waiting for a table at a restaurant, nearly a quarter of respondents wait less than one minute before approaching the host again after the wait period has passed. Yes, that's me too. And I am the guy who presses the button on the elevator more than one time because I guess somehow I think every time I push it, it just doubles the speed of what was going to happen next. Impatient. Just impatient. The scripture passage that we have read today screams for patience. In fact, in fact, the scripture passage that we read today seems to indicate that there is something about patience that is Christian. Now, you may think right now, I'm just trying to add to your spiritual resume, your personal resume, like you want to add somehow patience uh, to your resume. It's not so much that. I'm talking about patience as it has to do with the end of all things. I don't like the language of second coming. I think that's a, we have intruded on scripture to use the language of second coming. I much prefer the language of final coming. When God will complete what God started in creation. And if you're visiting with us today, but you're, you are thinking about keeping us as your family of faith, and we hope that you will, but we want you to do so eyes wide open. We aren't rapture people around here. In fact, we believe that it kind of happens in reverse. Rather than God scooping up all the good people and then laying the rest of creation to waste, we believe what it says in the book of Revelation, that God is making all things new. And that God will come here to permanently reside with God's people. Oh, I love all of that. Uh, you would really like the end of the book of Revelation if you can get through all the other stuff to get there. I promise you'd really like it. Because it says those incredible things. Now, as it turns out, uh, we've been waiting a long time for that. We have been, we've been waiting so long for it that I think there are people, perhaps people in the room, perhaps people on your pew, perhaps the person that looked back at you in the mirror today who wonders if we should still be thinking and aching for 
that final coming. It's been so long that sometimes it doesn't feel like the truth. Now that sentiment, that feeling is not new uh, to us. This is part of the reason the book of Matthew was written. Now again, let's set some of the uh, historical context and backdrop here. Written 10 to 20 years after the destruction of the temple in 70, 70 AD. If we think that Christ died somewhere around 30 AD, okay, then 40 years after that, 40 years after that, the temple was destroyed and the entirety of the priesthood was, was murdered by Rome. And you had people walking around, the people who survived that onslaught were walking around saying, but what about this promise? What about this promise that God would finally finish what God started? Is it going to happen or not? Because it looks like not. What now? What now? Remember, too, this is after the resurrection. After the resurrection, when we believe, and I think rightly so, that the end in its ultimate sense, the end began in the resurrection of Christ. The end has always had something to do with the final conquering of death, and we see a pretty important moment when, when life conquers death in the resurrection of Christ and all God's people said. Oh, good, that was good. And we believe, we really do believe that there was something there that, that foreshadows, that is sort of the beginning of the ending, if you will. And Jesus even seemed to say things during his, his ministry, he seemed to say things that would indicate that sooner rather than later, some of you will not taste death until you see the kingdom coming. Jesus seemed to say things to indicate that it was going to happen soon, soon. And yet here we are, so many years after the fact, and there are people wondering and now wondering out loud, did we not hear him correctly? Was he wrong? What's going on now? In fact, there are books of the Bible written in response to that. First Thessalonians, the people are starting to wonder out loud, is it, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? The writer says, yeah, like a thief in the night. Yeah. Later, there's another book written, long time later, Second Peter, when the people are now openly living as if it was just not true. And what you hear from the author of Second Peter is this, hang in there. Hang in there. God is being patient. God is being patient in order to bring more people in. And so we are taught here today, and, and by the way, this is sort of an Advent-ish sort of feel. We are taught today that there is something about waiting patiently as Christians. There's something about waiting patiently when you, when you are trying as best you can to maintain the certainty of what's going to happen. There's something, Christian, about hanging on to that and then living in expectation of what you believe God is going to do in God's time. And so we have these three parables. And we're gonna finish up this entire series, this Uncommon Faith series will be finished as we work through these three parables, uh, three parables all from chapter 25, this parable, and then the parable of the talents next week, and then this terrifying, or so we think, the parable of the sheep and the goats two weeks from today before we get into Advent, another season that teaches us how to wait. Let's get into this one. 
Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Okay, now first, let's, let's recognize this. When most of the time, I eh, probably shouldn't say most of the time, much of the time, when Christians talk about the end, they talk about the end in ways that uh, is probably meant to motivate a decision for Christ. So they say things in scary sorts of ways to finally get somebody to say yes, as if you're waiting somehow for this cataclysmic end. Keep in mind, in this parable, they're not waiting for some cataclysmic end, they're waiting for a wedding party. So for all those different times that we've been threatened with the end of all things, and threatened with ultimate destruction. Keep in mind that here's another indication that scripture says the end will be much more like a wedding banquet. Oh, that's really good. I saw one commentator that said, sometimes we think of the end kind of like we think about our mother-in-law coming to the house to discover whether or not we've actually cleaned the bathrooms. And we're just in dread fear, man, it's going to show up sometime, and what if the bathrooms aren't clean, that kind of thing. When, according to this commentator, it should be more like waiting on that crazy uncle that everybody likes to see coming through the door, who's coming, and he always brings the party with him, salami under his arm. It should be more like that. And so it's important that we say this right now, these five foolish bridesmaids, who were ultimately shut out, and you, you can see this if you keep reading, who are ultimately shut out. Is this a statement of judgment? Is God saying, so help me, if you don't get there in time, I am going to cut you out? Or is it a statement of observation? Here's what I mean. Is God saying, you only get this much time beyond this time, I'm gonna cut you out and you don't have another chance. Well, Christians have been saying that for a long time, right? To motivate the decision right now. You need to make a decision. What if there is a terrible accident later today? What if there are snakes in your yard, right? So you have to make these decisions right now. Is that what God is doing? Is that the God that you see in the face of Jesus? Or perhaps we've been understanding this end poorly. And here's what I mean by that. Stay with me here. Yes, I believe in the final coming. Hear me say that. I believe it. I believe scripture is clear in its testimony and it sounds like God to me. It sounds like God to me that God would someday come and finish what God has started here and, and wipe all tears from eyes. That all makes sense to me. But I don't think we should assume that there was the first coming, let's say, in Christ, and then this final coming and no arrivals in between. H hear me, hear me. Because this is a little bit of a change. It was for me at one point, so perhaps it's a change for you. Yes, I believe that there will be a final completion of all things, but that doesn't mean that God by God's spirit isn't arriving all the time when people have eyes to see it and ears to hear it, right? I don't think that's a statement of judgment as much as it's a statement of observation. These foolish bridesmaids were not ready when their moment came. There are all kinds of kingdom moments available to us 
When we don't have those kingdom moments, it's not always because God has not arrived. Sometimes it's because you haven't had the eyes to see it. Sometimes it's because you haven't had and haven't taken the precautions to stay alert, to stay alert and ready for the next kingdom moment. I don't think what you have here is a statement of judgment. There are those. I just don't think it's here. I don't think it's a judgment statement. I think it's observational. When the people of God aren't diligent to shape their eyes and their ears, and some of us are not, when you aren't involved and invested in your own lives of spiritual formation, and some of us are not, when you aren't learning how to pray, when you're not learning how to read scripture and discern the voice of God, when you're not involved in the processes whereby you can be a discerning, deeply praying people, when you're not involved, it is altogether possible that you will miss the next moment that God tries to, by God's spirit, arrive on the scene and through you bubble the kingdom to the surface. Just because you're not ready for it, just because you're not watching for it, doesn't mean that God's not doing it. But God wishes for a people to be ready, to be watchful, to be observant, because kingdom moments are always at hand. Yes, I believe that God will someday finish what God has started in a dramatic sort of way. I don't have any idea what it's going to look like. Maybe you do. If you do, please come tell me. I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I do believe that God is always looking to arrive on the scene, right? Or do you believe in the absence of God? No. I think God is saying, wise bridesmaids are ready. Even if there is delay, they stay ready. Foolish bridesmaids don't prepare for the delay, this in-between time. And the people of God are asked here and in the next parable and in the next parable to be diligent, waiting in the right sorts of ways. The bridegroom was in fact delayed. All of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You'd better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, sure enough, the moment came. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, open us. But he replied, truly, I don't know you. You weren't ready. You missed your moment because you weren't paying attention. You weren't waiting properly. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. Now again, again, what they're waiting for was a wedding banquet, a party, a feast, a celebration of life, evidence of life. They were waiting for something really good. Again, you are misunderstanding and misappropriating and misreading scripture if here you see something that looks more like a guillotine than a wedding banquet. No, it, it's not the left behind junk. I'm sorry, I said that out loud, didn't I? It's a wedding banquet. 
when God will be permanently, intangibly, and in all ways united with God's people such that there will never again be separation. And I'm saying to you, while it's going to happen in a final and ultimate way somewhere off into the future, and I don't know when, I am saying to you that little bit at a time, God is accomplishing it now as God's people have eyes and ears and imagination for it. And all God's people really need to say, not bad at all. What does it look like? What does it look like when people are hopeful and watchful? What does it look like to wait well? What does it look like to wait with the ending in mind? Because, hear me, hear me. Waiting with an ending in mind that has God taking all the good people away and destroying the rest of creation, that's a particular and a, and a unique and a specific kind of waiting. Waiting for God to finally launch the eternal wedding banquet is a different kind of waiting. Do you see that? So what does it look like to wait well when you believe that God has won, is winning, and will win? I think it looks a little bit like Martha. This, this is my, my dad's mom. We had All Saints Sunday last week, and, and by the way, I've heard from now a couple of you who said, um, can we name names at that ending for people who have died, not recently, but, but somewhere in the past? You bet, you bet, you bet, absolutely. It was after All Saints Sunday, though, that, that this saint passed away, Wednesday. At 98 years of age, gracious, he's middendorfs. 98 years of age. Now, my granddad died a few years ago when he was 93. They were married for 67 years. Um, my granddad was a minister. And when he retired, like many ministers, he didn't retire. So they went, after retiring from full-time ministry and doing years of pulpit supply, uh, he went to Alaska to train pastors. And she went too to train pastors because he could teach you a lot of things about teaching and preaching, but she was going to teach you about hospitality and celebrating every moment in anticipation of the next. That smile that you see here was not just for the picture. The picture just captured her in her essence. She was always smiling. Always smiling because, and it looked like she was always enjoying every moment. She was, and the only thing better than this moment was going to be the next one, and the next one, and the next one. After spending some time in Alaska, they came home, rested a bit, and then they went to the Ukraine to train pastors. Yes, he went to train them how to, how to do board meetings and that kind of thing and how to teach and preach, and, and she trained them how to do everything else that makes church a church. Hospitality. And then they came home and they rested for a while. Now they're, now they're into their late 70s and 80s. Rested long enough to kind of gather the strength to go to the small island of Dominica, where, you guessed it, they trained pastors. How to teach, how to preach, how to host. But here's the thing. You got the deep impression that Grandmother Middendorf knew something that you didn't. 
so hopeful, so optimistic, so ready to celebrate this moment and the next. You got the deep impression that she knew something that you didn't. It's almost as if she believed all of God's promises were in the process of coming true. And her every motion and every movement and every facial expression reflected this deep belief that God was trustworthy and that the news was good. That God's mind was made up not just about each individual person, which is true, but that God's mind was made up about all of creation. And by the way, the news is still good. And she understood She understood that she was living in the great in-between time because her life, she experienced great pain. She lost a daughter, my aunt, Aunt Martha. Her husband had several bouts with heart disease and finally succumbed to heart disease. She had cancer. She lost her sight but never lost her smile. I was talking to my Sunday school class today. I said, okay, let's draw a distinction between the person who was unwilling to hear bad news, because you know those people, right, who insist on on sticking a smiley face on top of all the, the terrible things that happen in life. Let's draw a distinction between that person who can't hear and won't hear bad news with the person who has experienced anxiety and tension and agony and pain and yet still believes God can make lemonade out of that. Because there's a difference. I I know that much like her, many of you, many of us are in seasons of pain and anxiety. Many of you in the room are dreading the upcoming holidays. Many of you are connected to somebody who is dealing with something terrible. Perhaps it's a disease, perhaps it's a tragic accident, perhaps it's a a failure in the business world. You are just living in pain. You're just living in agony. And what I'm not saying to you today is, let's just stick a smile on that. What I am saying to you is, God is faithful. God is faithful, and I love the way Brandon said it earlier today. Sometimes, when you have forgotten that God is faithful, sometimes it's a good thing to sing, great is thy faithfulness. And in those moments when you can't make your voice sing, great is thy faithfulness, then maybe you should just sort of lean toward the one who can. Because sometimes that's all you've got. But hear me say this. If Martha Middendorf is any indication, if Martha Middendorf is any indication, if every expression on her face is any indication, if in her 98 years she learned anything, she learned this. God is good. God is good. He doesn't erase our trouble, it puts it in perspective. Which perspective is that? Oh, it's the largest perspective in which we understand 
that the resurrection happened and continues to make an impact even today so that death never has the last word. And so we gather around this table every Sunday to rehearse that posture. Listen, if, I'm glad for you to recognize that there are tangible evidences here of forgiveness for you. I'm, I'm glad for you to experience that. If, if you need that, if you need for this to be another tangible reminder that God has forgiven what it is that you have done or thought or said or not done or thought or said, that is fine. Please, that is true. And there's more. And there's more. Even in the ritual itself, I hope you are hearing this, that yes, we do, we live life here on this planet and we do experience pain like broken body and even shed blood, but we do so remembering and trying to connect with and trying to find with our eyes and with our ears this resurrected one who continues if we have the eyes and the ears for it, who continues to break through, continues to break through and get to us and then through us help kingdom moments to bubble to the surface if we, like the wise wise bridesmaids, will just be ready. Gathering here helps us to be ready. Gathering here helps us to be ready. And so if you're helping us today to set this table, please come. When we get to the part about the drink and the little ritual, that is a forward-looking moment within this ritual. When I say words like this, and he took the cup and he held it up before them, that cup was representative of the future, this, this kind of great wedding banquet that we're all still marching toward even though some days are marked with darkness. Be listening for that today, and may it shape your ears, and may it shape your eyes for the moments that may happen today that move us toward that great celebration. Heavenly Father, bless these elements, and by them, God, strengthen us and shape our vision, shape our hearing. Help us to be people who, like the wise bridesmaids, are prepared to wait are prepared to wait well. Not that we will be idle, but that we will be busy preparing for all the small ways in which your kingdom will burst into the now. All the small ways and the big ways in which the future will come crashing into the present as we have the capacity to see it and hear it, to see you and hear you and participate with you changing things toward your vision for all of creation. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and then to exit your pew to the left and then come forward with your hands cupped to receive this gift of grace. As you approach the person holding the bread, That person will snap off a small piece and put it in your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Don't eat it just yet, but take that little piece of bread and dip it into the cup 
Someone will be standing right there with a cup. When you dip it into the cup, that smaller person will say to you, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And that's that future bit. That's that future moment. We acknowledge the pain of the present, but we're always marching toward God's future. And then take and eat. And then, if you would, make a beeline to a place of prayer. Now, it might be just right back to your pew. I understand that. And God can still hear you if you go back to your pew and pray. I believe it. Or you can come to one of these side padded altars. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing. And someone will meet you there and pray that prayer for healing, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational. Someone will anoint you there and pray that prayer for healing. Or you could come to one of these mourner's benches, these kneeling benches here, and we won't assume a thing about what you're praying, but we will come alongside you and pray with you and for you, touch you on the back, the neck, the shoulder, just so you know that you're not alone. There's also a bowl of water, very still right now, and this is here if you need to be reminded that you are amongst the baptized, the people who are meant to live in the light of the resurrection, all the lines redrawn because of the resurrection, that's us. And if you need to be reminded of your initiation into that people, then that's why this bowl of water is here. And we will close today with another prayer of commission. Dr. Tashin will close with another prayer of commission. We want to gather around Brandon and Ashley, if we could, toward the end right here. But also in that it's been Veterans Day. It's Veterans Weekend, really. If you are a veteran or if you want to come and represent a veteran, we want to pray for all of you. We want to pray for all of you. We have no idea how you have been marked one way or another by your experience or by your service. We do know we want to come alongside you and pray for you matter the nature of that mark. So if you're a veteran, thank you for serving. We honor your service. And how about letting us pray for you? So we'd like to have you here as well. It was on the night he was betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat of it, remember me. And then later, he took the cup. Here's the future part. And he held it up before them saying, and this is my blood shed for you. And every time you drink of it, remember me. If you can't come to us, then Jason and Berkeley are coming to you. Who is welcome at this table? Well, everyone. Everyone who understands their need for grace, no matter what, if you understand your need for grace, you're welcome at this table. Knowing that, if you would, across the sanctuary now, stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, come forward with your hands cup, the gifts of God meant to resource the people of God.
from wherever you've been come broken hearted let rescue begin come find your mercy oh sinner come kneel earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow Oh, wonder, 
to invite you to come if you are a veteran or if you are representing a veteran pray very specifically for them today so you are welcome to come down and join folks that are here give Brandon and Ashley a chance to come here and so perhaps there are others that would like to come and surround Brandon and Ashley as we helped launch them into this next season of their lives. I'm going to pray a a brief prayer of confession before turning it over to Lisa for prayers of our children. And then after that, Dr. Tashin will pray this prayer of commission. Father, so much to talk about. We confess, Lord, that we can be those people who can be so intimidated by the pain and the agony around us uh, that we see on our screens or perhaps just in the mirror, that we can be tempted away from this deep sense and deep belief that you have, in fact, in the resurrection begun. You've begun the ending. Lord, there's pain in the form of family situations, job situations, illness, sickness, death. We think of Shane Thompson, the loss of his father this week. We think of the Middendorf family, my dad, the loss of his mother this week. Very real hurt and pain and tragedy and You are not surprised that in the midst of all of that, we find it difficult to keep our eyes on you. We find it hard at times to live in the light of the resurrection. And yet, God, you continue to bring us back. You continue to surround us with folks who can offer those words of hope and encouragement. You draw us back to the table. And we eat in memory, and we drink in hope. And in the process, God, it is our hope that somehow something invisible is made visible. That's our hope, God. 
that you would so tune our eyes and our ears that we would see something that we couldn't see before or hear something that we couldn't hear before. We pray for all of these who are here representing people who have served. We pray for these people who have served before. Pray, God, that you would come alongside, communicate to them your your love of passion and service and sacrifice. And if, God, there are wounds, physical and otherwise, that are to be dealt with, then may we do so here in this place. May they find there to be a healing here in this place that can't be found anywhere else. And now, God, hear us as we pray along with our children. May we pray in ways that inspire them to pray, but hear us as we pray for them now. If you'll join me by noticing the prayers that are put on the screen. These are the prayers that the kids have prayed over this last month. join me in saying the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples to pray using debt and debtors. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we move away from this, I want Dr. Tash to have a chance to pray for Brandon Ashley. Gracious God, we thank you for the years of service that Brandon has given us, leading us in worship, bringing us into your presence with the gift of music and worship that you have gifted him with. And we pray this morning as you lead them to other places, uh, Brandon and Ashley and their lovely daughter, pray that you will go with them. Make the way smooth and may everything turn out for your glory and for their future ministry we give you thanks for the way that they have given themselves to us and today we also remember those who have given their time and their sacrificial service to serve our country 
to be in places where there might be danger and in hard places. We thank you for their gift, for all that they have done. And we pray that they may continue to be blessed by your presence and work of grace in their lives. And for all that you do, we give you thanks in the name of Christ our Lord.